You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that looked like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. Alright, welcome back to the SLC Punks podcast. This is your host, Hansen James. And this is Milo. What's up, y'all? We're back for another episode of the Punks Podcast on the SLC Dunk Network. I hope you guys got a chance to listen to the Utah Jazz Podcast, which is back. It's very fun to have it's that. It's back. It's back. It's fun. It's uh, it's a long time coming, and I, for one, am enjoying it a lot. Uh, I'm excited to hear, uh, you know, Jimbo and and Mikey and them uh, just go over the jazz and everything. It's really fun. So if you haven't done that yet, go check out the Utah Jazz Podcast. It's on this same slc dunk podcast feed it's really awesome uh but now it's slc punks and today we want to talk about a few things it's summertime very quiet nba time right now i am hibernating a little bit lately just hot sticking in my hole trying not to read political tweets online because no one else has anything to talk about uh but it gives us a chance to talk about some of our maybe our deeper basketball thoughts and some of the things we're writing right now milo you wrote about uh, the comparison of the Utah Jazz to the 2004 Pistons team that won the the title. What were some of the things you noticed, the similarities between them and the Jazz? It's it's kind of interesting because the, the common uh, the common idea around that 2004 Detroit Pistons is that they were without any all, uh, any stars, that they were this really big underdog team that really overcame the odds. The way they're talked about, you would swear they entered the playoffs as an eight seed and just battled their way to the NBA Finals. And by the skin of their teeth, they barely won an NBA championship. But when you actually do some research on them, like they were recently rated as the one of the worst NBA final teams in the past 20 years. So in the modern NBA era, which is just ridiculous because when you look back then it was it was a team that was just not appreciated but they had been in the playoffs the past 2 years they had Richard Hamilton and Chauncey Billups as this uh uh near all-star backcourt um but they didn't make any all-star teams um you had Ben Wallace who actually did make the all-star team for and represented them and coincidentally he had won defensive player of the year twice um, he was a three-time All-NBA first uh, NBA defense first team. He had been on the All-NBA team, second team twice, the All-NBA third team uh, once. And then they also had Tayshaun Prince, who uh, no one really respected. Oh, yeah, by the way, one of their, their, their main sub off the bench, one of their main subs was a guy named Mehmet Okur. 
maybe people have heard of him. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so there, this team was really, really, really uh, underappreciated. And I think that's something that jazz fans, when, when we like to compare Utah jazz now being like, Oh, they could be a modern Detroit Pistons. I, I think that's what they think of. It's just like there, it wasn't that they weren't star laden. They were just underappreciated. Like, when people say the Utah Jazz currently don't have stars, they're saying all-stars. And not even all-stars. Even if the Utah Jazz had all-stars, like if Rudy Gobert would have made the all-star game last year, they'd be saying, well, they have star, they have an all-star, but he's not really an offensive guy. And, and that really comes down to do people appreciate defense and also do they really just appreciate popularity more, like genuine popularity? One of the things that I was kind of researching and I abandoned on this project because it ended up being a way bigger, uh, a way bigger bite that I, than I could chew was comparing what people's like PER and uh, win shares were, were against like how much they, they were in tw- Google trends. Like how often did they bump up in Google trends? And it's insane how much like say Anthony Davis in, New Orleans versus Anthony Davis in in LA during an off season is on another planet. Like the Google trends, like it's not even in the same sphere. To put it in perspective, what Anthony Davis is trending now on Google <laughs> in an off season as a Laker is something he never reached as a New Orleans Pelican. Hmm. And, and it's a little bit what he wanted. I guess. Yeah, and, and and to put it in another way, Anthony Davis, yes, uh, Anthony Davis on the same day that Donovan Mitchell's like big press tour for his shoes and everything, and his and his uh, story in the Players Tribune and all of the ads that Adidas was putting out, all of that, Donovan Mitchell's Google Trends didn't even come close to what Anthony Davis uh, was trending at yesterday. And oh, by the way, nothing happened yesterday. So that's that's the difference between a big market and a small market, and so and so what, when people talk about the Jazz and how they don't have stars, what they're basically doing is outing themselves as a casual that says, "Oh, well, I don't. They play in a small market. I don't give a crap." And you know, whatever. But in actuality, you have Mike Conley, who in any other conference other than the stacked Western Conference, he's an All Star. Mm-hmm. To put it in perspective, D'Angelo Russell, who everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, you know, well, the Golden State Warriors got an all-star. D'Angelo Russell's not going to be on the map for an all-star bid in the Western Conference next season. He won't oh, even be even close. He won't even sniff it. In the Eastern Conference, yes, and it took an injury for him to make it there. So, so the Western Conference has always been stacked, and Mike Conley has played in a small market and been criminally underrated. And last year he had one of his best seasons. So he he could have just as great of a, a season next year, and he's just being underappreciated. That sounds very Chauncey Billups-like um, when you think about it. Donovan Mitchell, uh, Richard Hamilton was uh, Detroit's go-to, like, go get us some buckets, dude. And uh, Donovan Mitchell is that guy. Very very similar to, uh, uh, to, to Rip in that way. Um, who's going to go and, and, and get you some points. 
Um, and then you have Ben Wallace, who is who just makes everyone better. One of my favorite things, um, and I could not find the podcast, and I, I can only remember it anecdotally. Chauncey Billis was talking to about uh, Rudy Gobert, and he said Rudy Gobert re- is a, is the only player I've seen since Ben Wallace who has reminded me of Ben Wallace, and the reason being is Ben Wallace made average defensive players look good. And he made good defensive players look elite. And that's the thing about Rudy Gobert. And when you slot maybe some average or just slightly above average uh, defensive players like Bohan Bogdanovich and Jeff Green and um, and Ed Davis and Emmanuel Moutier, when you and Mike Conley, and Mike Conley is 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 a, a very above average defensive player. But now all of a sudden, once you have Rudy Gobert back there, it's going to change what people are going to say. And I bet one of my big predictions for this upcoming season is how people are going to be like, "Wow, Quinn Snyder really turned Bohan Bogdanovich into this really good defensive four. It's really amazing to see. And really, it won't so much be of Quinn Snyder being like. Hey Bohan, come over here. We're gonna have a man-to-man talk and and really work on on your defense and lateral and all of that. It's going to be he's playing with mother effing Rudy Gobert and he's just gonna dominate. And mm-hmm. so and that's gonna be that's one of the amazing things with when you're talking about with this Detroit Piston team is and and this current Utah Jazz team is they have that in common. But the one thing that they don't have is that Detroit Pistons team went into games ready to wreck people. Uh, Rashid Wallace would uh, infamously carry around a WWE belt. And he said he was the megaphone for the team because before he got to the team, no one talked. There was like, there, there wasn't a swagger. And he went in there basically bringing that swagger and they traded for him at the trade deadline, which is interesting because Utah Jazz almost did a similar deal to trade for Mike Conley. Not that he's a megaphone and he's, and he's going to start fights. But they they were trying to get an infusion of talent, um, just like just like the Detroit Pistons would. And had they have done that because of how the Golden State Warriors were getting hurt, there was possibly an opening for Utah last year if they would have had Mike Conley. And so, so it's it's really interesting to see those those commonalities between Utah and Detroit. But if there's anything that's different, Utah has to find an identity that is unique to them. They have to find, and they have to find that swagger, not just, Hey, we're a good defensive team, but what, what do we do to teams when they come in here? Is it, are we going to put them in the mud? And it's not just an identity. It's not just a calling card, but it's what something that is imposed because you knew when you played Utah, they were going to, it was going to be a tough defensive battle. But Utah didn't, couldn't impose themselves on another team. It wasn't like we're playing this style and we're playing this style for 48 minutes and it's going to be hell. Versus if next year they have the potential to do that and if a team wants to, wants to try to shake it up and go blow to, and, and Utah has to go blow to blow with them offensively, they can shift into overdrive and be like, oh, you want to you roll that way? Let's dance. That's what's exciting. That's what's exciting. But as far as an identity is concerned, they have to find a new identity because of all the new pieces that have come in. And that's that's going to be the biggest barometer for their success coming going into the next year. 
So yeah, so that's what I found with finding and researching the Detroit Pistons. Awesome. Yeah, I'm. I think there's some similarities. The to me, one of the crazy similarities between Rudy Gobert and Ben Wallace is Rudy Gobert is a good offensive player. Uh, ben Wallace was just this crazy defensive force that just, you know, athletic, blocked everything, got his hands on every rebound, just an absolute force on the inside, but was just kind of a minus on the defensive end. Uh, Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert is just different. When when Rudy Gobert's on the floor, the offense is better. And for every casual, like you mentioned, that says, oh, you know, Rudy Gobert, all he does is dunk. He's just this defensive player. Well, that means you literally don't know what you're talking about because the Jazz are better on offense when Rudy Gobert's on the floor. Uh, so, right. and I thought I thought we want wins. Like I thought the the game the game of basketball is about wins. I thought we want to win, and and that's the stupid thing. Like, and what's funny is Ben Wallace had the same, and Rudy Gobert's a much better offensive player than Ben Wallace ever was, but. When people say, oh, well, Rudy Gobert can't stay on the floor in the playoffs, that was the same thing that people said about Ben Wallace. They said, you said, oh, you know, you can't, you can't have Ben Wallace out there. And a lot of people thought when they got Rashid, it was, it was so that they could play Rashid at the center. So Ben Wallace wouldn't be playing, wouldn't be playing a lot, uh, those, those closing minutes. So you didn't have to have him on the floor. And oh, yeah, guess, guess what? Ben Wallace played 40 minutes a night in the playoffs. So it wasn't it it was so I think this whole thing of like oh yeah Rudy Gobert couldn't be on the floor during the playoffs it's just like <laughs> spoiler alert no one on the Utah Jazz could be on the floor and have a positive point differential while they were in the playoffs. That's why they got eliminated from the playoffs. That's I hate when people use plus and minus during the playoffs because all that says is it basically says who went home. If you exactly. had a plus minus, if you had a plus minus in the playoffs, like if if you ended the year in the playoffs as plus, guess what? You probably won the championship, or you came really, really, really close. Mm-hmm. And is and so this whole this whole excuse my language, but it's bullshit that people will like. Use that excuse. You're like, oh well, look at the plus and minus of Rudy Gobert, blah blah blah. And it's like, look at the rest of the team, you nimwit. It's it, Donovan Mitchell had negative, Ricky Rubio, uh, like, and then the players that did have positive. No one's ever going to go to bat and be like, these are the best players on the Utah Jazz. Like the people who were plus in the playoffs were uh, in the most recent one were Ricky Rubio, George Niang. Uh, okay, like. That's that's who the Jazz need to throw Max contracts at, like Ricky Rubio and George Nian. Come on, so so you got to use your big boy brain and figure it out. And so uh, and 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 the real reason that they could not play Rudy Gobert in the like they'd have to switch things out with Rudy Gobert was that they would stack the paint, and that was as much a reaction against Rudy Gobert as it was against Donovan Mitchell. And they can't, they won't be able to do that if the Jazz are healthy in the playoffs next year. And so that's exciting, and that's and and the same move that the Pistons made to to uh, to expand the floor to make life easier for Ben Wallace and for guys like uh, Hamilton and Prince to be able to cut to this to to the rim. Um, they got Rasheed Wallace to open that up. Utah Jazz have got guys like Mike Conley, Bohan Bogdanovich, Jeff Green, 
who can who can open up uh, who are going to allow them to really play that four out and really open up the floor. So big time. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're, I mean, that's the thing is you have a negative plus minus. That's because you played the Warriors. Uh, you had a negative plus minus. That's because you played the Rockets, who were a better team than you. I mean, that's all that is. It doesn't mean that Rudy Gobert wasn't better than Clint Capella because he is wildly better than Clint Capella. But he just he's playing against James Harden for thirty six to forty minutes, and when you do that, it's yeah. really hard to win. That's just the way it is. So I think the Jazz have a very, I mean, the Jazz this this year. It's funny how they get Mike Conley, and it makes a few little uh, blips on the radar with certain uh, podcasts and and websites and things outside of ours. Uh, but that it's a, it's already forgotten that they have that they have Mike Conley, and then they get Boyan Bogdanovich, who is one of the best spot up shooters in the league, and he's going to fill a spot for the Jazz where they had almost no shooting. You know, Rudy uh, Derek Favors was awesome for Utah, but his fit was not awesome because you just could not. That's the thing is people say, well, you can't play Rudy Gobert against other teams. No, you can play Rudy Gobert. You just can't play Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors against other teams because they would get blown off the floor. And that's what happened against Houston this last season. You could not play Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert together. And so the Jazz were just fundamentally flawed. And this offseason, the Jazz have taken those flaws and turned them into some of their biggest strengths now. I mean, the Jazz are going to put out a style where they have four shooters surrounding Rudy Gobert and two of them being like playmakers at all times. They're going to be so hard to guard for 48 minutes, and they're also going to be very hard to score on. The Jazz are going to be really, really good. And I know that... Yeah, it's 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 absolutely fantastic to see like what they've done in in this off season to really attack what they needed to get better. Likewise, I do have to say I am excited to see what Derek Favors can do in New Orleans uh, with the Pelicans because the fit is there. Like Derek Favors gets to thrive and be in a good fit um, and and play a lot of minutes, and I'm really excited about that. And and what's going to be frustrating is there's going to be people who are like, see that. Utah just didn't know how to use Derek Favors. And it's like, they did. Unfortunately, the way to use Derek Favors was taken by another guy who could do what Derek Favors could do better. And that just, just, just like, it, it was like cutting, it's like cutting hairs at that point. Well, and but, I, I'll say one thing. So I am excited to watch the Pelicans because Favors will be fun and Zion. But I think one thing we learned from Summer League, and I know it was eight minutes of Zion, but he couldn't make a jump shot. And one of the things that kind of stunk for Derek favors is that he was not on the floor with a spread five or four or whatever it is. And so mm-hmm. he may be dealing with that again next year with the Pelicans. And so they need to surround yeah. him with shooting until Zion, until Zion can shoot, really, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that'll be interesting, but I think um, Zion's athleticism is just so dynamic. I think they will be, uh, they'll be good regardless, but it'll be interesting to see just how good they are together. It'll be fun. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And so, uh, that's what is, I think a lot of people they undervalue defense. We already know that. Um, I Utah gets overlooked. One of my favorite things with a lot of off season, season like power rankings and things like that is seeing writers and you can and you can see what was going on. They're writing their rankings for like top down, like. Number one is so and this team. Number two is so, and so they're like building the case of like, 
because and I can see them like in their head ranking the teams and they're like, and then I'll I'll write the blurb after. And so they'll put the Utah Jazz like criminally low, like at like 10 or 8, lower than they ended at the end of last season. And then you can see them like doing the mental gymnastics and and then having the realization like mid-paragraph being like, and they have a strong chance to make the NBA finals. And then you can see them almost like trying to figure out a way to justify why they put them so low. And they're like, but uh, they have a hole in... And they're like, like naming like the back end of their roster of where they're weak, where every team is weak. And you're like, well, you know, they're, when when you Dante Exum is a question mark, and you're like, yeah, so so is everybody's backup point guard. Like anybody's like, you know where their real strength lies, backup point guard. That's where the bread is. But like, come on, come on. Uh, so that's what's it, it really exciting is that I think even it's getting really hard for a lot of people to underrate the Utah jazz. Um, Vegas definitely isn't Vegas uh, pegged Utah. The over under for Utah is the same amount of wins as the LA Clippers at 54 and a half wins. And. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It scares me to take the over. <laughs> oh, I think... <laughs> I'm like... Well, here's the thing. I think that's an easy bet. Wins? That's an easy win. The Jazz are going to win... I think they're going to win 60 games. I don't know how they don't win 60 games. When you look at You think they're going to win 60? I think oh, uh man. I think that's I, I just the Western Conference is just such a gauntlet though. Like it's true, but like, when you think about the depth that's on Utah and I mean honestly, we've seen Utah oh, win but, how many But also there's a lot of contending teams that are going to be resting players. Like the Clippers will be resting guys, the Lakers will be resting guys, the Rockets will be resting guys. Well, and how many did we so, win last year? Was it uh, 50, 51, 50, we won 50 games 50. last year. And that was with, uh, Ricky Rubio shooting 30% from three. No one guarded him. That was with a starting lineup that, uh, had no spacing. So Rudy Gobert was the, one of the best pick and roll big men in the league with the paint pack, uh, because mm-hmm. you had the, the guard coming off of Rubio and you had Derek favors man playing off of him. And the Jazz won 50 games. <laughs> like, yeah, they were I, without a point guard for like, what, a month and a half? I, I, and then they, then they had that rough start to the yeah. season where it looked, it looked like they hadn't, hadn't like practiced together in a year. Well, was, Donovan Mitchell that started was a frustrating hurt. Part at the, like Donovan Mitchell started, yeah, he started the hurt. hurt. Uh, Ricky Rubio forgot how to make even 30% of his threes. Yeah, and then you consider um, that like the schedule was this. Joe Ingles was rough. Yeah, Joe Ingles had a down uh, yeah. year. Now you consider that they've fixed all those issues. I mean, we're going to have a team where everyone who shoots the three, you're expecting it to go in. And I'm not used to that. Well, except Dante Exum. Well, how dare you? Also, he's going to be really good. <laughs> I don't know what anyone says. And by the way, commenters, I'm going to talk about Dante. And if you don't like it, you can go cry about it. Go listen to something else. But guess what? You know what's out there right now? SOC Dunk Podcast. 
and and God. Anyways, uh, Dante Exum will have a good year and we'll hit uh, 33% from three. And that's good enough for you. To Find somebody who loves Dante Exum as much as you love Dante Exum. Where <laughs> on my life. If he has, I swear on my freaking grave, if, if he has a good year, I've taken notes. I've listened. I have. I've t- I, I, have I am going there. back to all the podcasts, all the comments. And you will hear from me, all of you, Twitter, all of you. I'm going to reply. You're going to block me. I don't care. I'm coming. And it's going to happen. Most improved player is coming, guys. Could you imagine if Utah goes in and they go from like the 20th ranked offense in the league to like the sixth best offense? Like, And I'm being pretty conservative. I think the Jazz Mm -hmm. really have a chance to have like a top five offense. But let's say they're like seventh in the league. So you jump from like 20th to 7th, and then the Jazz defense stays within the top five. They are going to win so many basketball games. Like they are going to win so much. And if you have like, let's say Royce O'Neal takes a step and he starts taking five threes a game and he continues to hit them at 40% and Dante Exum stays healthy and plays 20 minutes a night off the bench and drives to the rim because he has a lot of spacing and plays really great defense, and our second unit is positive, you have a Jazz team that's going to win 60 games. They are going to be really, really good. And I, I just... Yeah. It's really, to me, a matter of how do they not win that many games? I don't... I, you know... I I, I think it's 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 health. It's keeping Mike Conley. Um, it's it's interesting. And, and we had this... We had this conversation um, in... Uh, our uh, amongst our SLC dunk riders a, a few days ago, when we were talking about um, how Dennis Lindsay recently said that uh, the Jazz had um, felt like they could get one of the top free agents out there, and it seems to think you know it. It feels like it was either Tobias Harris or D'Angelo Russell that they had a strong chance of being able to to acquire, and. Uh, looking at the looking at the whole thing, it really feels like. Uh, and, and they said we wanted to go after Mike Conley. We wanted that, and part of that was so that they could bring on another players like a Bohan Bogdanovich, which uh, or a Nikola uh, Miritich, um, and be able to not compromise so much depth in the process when they when they did so. Um. But what's what's interesting is we were talking about it and all these players, for the most part, are going to be off the roster in two years. Like they, they their contracts expire, whether it's Joe Ingles, whether it's um, Mike Conley, uh, Rudy Gobert's contract uh, expires that year. Um, next year, we, we get, like we got to figure out what we're going to do with Royce um, coming up here. But for the most part, Utah is going to have a lot of flexibility. Um, in that pivot year when there's a lot of free agents available. And even Donovan Mitchell is a restricted free agent at that time. So it's really an interesting, interesting year. It's almost like Utah was like, we're going to shoot the gap when it hit as far as contending for the next two years. And then we're going to pivot and see what's what's available. We're not going to overstay our hand. We can see what's what's trending as far as like playing styles is concerned. And what Donovan Mitchell is, whether we feel like Donovan Mitchell is a point guard in two years or whatnot. So it's really interesting, like just a makeup of this team. 
And but the other thing that is really interesting about this team, tangent aside, is that they're older. They're like you have Bo, Bo uh, Boyan that's uh, thirty going on thirty one. You have Joe Ingles that's thirty two going on thirty three. You have Mike Conley that's thirty one going on thirty two, and then you have Jeff Green that's thirty two going on thirty three. Uh, it's it's um, it's a really balanced team, and this is kind, this is an NBA contending roster. You want a mix of youth and 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 veterans. And um, and they have good players who are on the end of their uh, NBA lifespan, so to speak. And so, and then I also don't think like Boyan's contract in going into third and fourth year is that bad, con- considering like the salary cap is probably going to go up. It's not going to feel like that much, and it's going to feel like a deal um, going on in, the, in those um, years as he gets older. But the main thing is this team is going to be older, so they're going to have to rest. Um, they're they're going to have to do some planned rest. That's what makes me worried about hitting that fifty five to and up wins. Is Utah is going to be one of those teams in addition to the Clippers, in addition to the Lakers, in addition to the Rockets, so and and so on and so forth. That is going to have to rest their guys. Um, if because you don't want to burn through Mike Conley <laughs> in a, in a year, and he's undersized, so you need to take care of him. Uh, same same with Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles was definitely burnt out. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich, you definitely don't want to. Uh, he played a lot of minutes after uh, Victor Oladipo went down last year, so you're going to want to take care of him. So Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal, Dante Exum, Emmanuel Mudiay, uh, they're really going to have to do some heavy lifting, and, and Ed Davis, and Ed Davis as well, to make sure that Rudy Gobert doesn't break down. They're going to have to do some heavy lifting this year to make sure that uh, the Jazz are able to beat crap teams and not have to like use Mike Conley for 38 minutes against the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a, a new wrinkle that Utah has to deal with this year. And well, that's something that happened last year is like, you'd have games where uh, they would kind of pull away and then teams would kind of like teams would kind of inch their way back into games. And then the jazz would have to trot out their starters again to finish it off. That was so frustrating. And that actually, that happened uh. all the time. And this year the jazz have, I mean, the Jazz honestly have the potential to just blow the doors off teams, kind of like the Warriors used to do. There will be nights where the Jazz will play a t- like a not very good team, uh, and they will just have a 20-point, 30-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and they'll be able to just put in Dante or put in uh, whoever, Moutier, Green, um, and those guys are solid and have uh, Ed Davis off the bench just close things out and and get nice little easy victories. I honestly, every jazz fan should be just rooting for the health of this team. So that, yeah, like you said, so that Mike Conley's not playing more than like 28 minutes a night. If you can, if he can average 28, 30 minutes a night for the season, that's a massive victory. And I think that's why uh, Dennis Lindsay went out and just got a lot of wing depth. So, you know, Moutier who might seem a tiny bit redundant, but he fits within what they do and it's just depth. So, you know, if Dante goes down again, which he's prone to do, you have another guy that can step in and play. And if and that can just be another guy to back up Moutier. And Donovan Mitchell, 32 minutes a night. But behind him, you've got Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles and Boyan and all these guys that can um, hit shots and help them win. And so that Donovan doesn't have to feel like he has to win the game every single night. Uh, they're, they're, de- they're deep. Like the jazz are really deep with really efficient, solid players. It's the best roster I've seen since I guess maybe the Darren Williams days. 
and then the Stockton Williams days before that. Like it's just a roster that can win a lot of games. Uh, And the the that's I think one of the big differences between this year and last year is this roster is going to win a lot of games just out of pure just talent and and um, scheme. Quinn Snyder can act do actual Mm -hmm. schemes now. I mean, how much how much did Quinn Snyder do in terms of game planning? just to overcome the flaws of his team. Now Quinn Snyder can go in and say, Oh, we're going to do this tonight because we can, and this is going to kill them. Like he can go in and do something that like puts the other team on their heels. But it felt like so much last season was like, man, if just, if Rubio can just hit like two threes, we'll win the game. How many stats did we have like that last year where it's like, if Rubio hits this many threes and, and if Kyle Korver hits a three, then the Jazz win. You know, it's like so many things like yeah. that had to go right for a Jazz win. And typically it happened because we won 50 games. But this year it'll be more like, you know, so-and-so had a really rough night and the Jazz won by eight. You know, like it's going to be a, it's going to be a yeah. different team. That, that, that was really, really, because uh, I, ta- I, I wrote a piece on spacing and what it is and what it isn't and how it frustrates me to no end that people – um, will say, well, three-point shooting doesn't matter. but Or people will say, three-point shooting is everything. All you have to do is get a stretch four and spacing spacing changes. And and it's kind of funny that people uh, think that spacing is like almost like this mythos that, that once you attain spacing, you are spacing. It's almost like almost magical when in essence, like spacing is just it's just surface area of room that you have to work in the paint that's open. That's it. It's it's malleable clay that coaches um, work with, and you can either manufacture it, which is like getting like getting a defense to bend and move until finally you have a passable angle, or you have just really 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 good creators, shooters, and playmakers. A good combination of that that just allows you just by their presence out there before they even start to get things moving, they have spacing. And then that's what Quinn Snyder is finally going to have next year. He had been manufacturing spacing, which is basically like replacing eggs with applesauce. And it's just like, it works in a pinch, but everybody knows (laughs) it's, it's not like you're going to fool anybody and be like, Wow, my God, these these cookies are amazing. It's just like, yeah, these chocolate chip cookies taste like they have apples in them. Like that's and, and that's and by the time you get into the big stage, it isn't going to cut it. And everybody knew where the applesauce was in Utah's spacing, and it was Ricky Rubio. You're like, yeah, we know what we do. We're going to completely ignore him, and we're gonna uh, and if he kills us, like. We'll take it. We'll lose. We'll lose that. Like the only reason, and and it pains me to say this, but part of the reason Utah Jazz were able to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder when when they when they played them in the first round of the playoffs was Russell Westbrook couldn't figure out the basic concept of if Ricky Rubio beats us, we're okay with that because he's only going to be able to do that uh, once. Mm-hmm. And and we'll be okay if he if he does it any other time, uh, but it, Russell Westbrook took it personally, overguarded him, and allowed more things to happen. And then Joe Ingles, you know, had amazing 
amazing uh, series as well. And so did Donovan Mitchell. But um, so, so what's, what's amazing about like when I was talking about this spacing is that, you know, spacing has changed a lot and it's not just this whole three point shooting. It's not just, it's a lot of these different, different aspects of whether a player is just well-respected or well-known for doing a certain thing. He'll start to be guarded in that way because of his, uh, his reputation. And so reputation has to do with it. it, it raw three point shooting players who are really good three point shooters may not be respected. And so they, they may not improve spacing or people will say, yeah, we're going to take our, our chances because maybe that said player has a really good three point shooting percentage isn't a high volume shooter. So you're like, he doesn't like to, he doesn't like to hoist mm-hmm. it. So he's only going to take like three or four of these. So there's all these like weird ticks that affect spacing. That's really hard for us to, to really, um, really hammer on. And I really hate it when people say what it is and what it isn't when it, when there's a lot of it's, it's so, so minute with personnel, but what's really cool about Utah is if you really want to get minute, they have all the pieces to create great floor spacing just by them walking on the damn court. And it's awesome. It's so cool. It is so cool. It's so cool to know that Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell are going to be guarded at the three-point line and behind the three-point line. It is so cool that when Mike Conley runs a pick and roll, a team has to make a conscious decision of whether they need to go over or under that screen, whether it's just like, "Uh, I'm going to be four feet behind this screen. It's Ricky Rubio. And, and so, and if, if there's a miscommunication on that, on that screen, that defense is going to bend even more with that bit, with that monstrous spacing because Joe Ingles, Bohan Bogdanovich, Jeff Green, Royce O'Neal are going to be on the perimeter as the three and the four. And oh, by the way, we still have to be keeping our eye out for Donovan Mitchell, who, guess what? Quinn Snyder is going to get to run Donovan Mitchell off ball with a ton of off ball action through screens and whatnot to get him open in a way they never had, never were able to, because before, if you did that, the whole, whole defensive scheme would be, Hey, will you just watch where Donovan Mitchell is going? Don't worry about anybody else except Rudy Gobert. Just worry about Donovan Mitchell and we'll be okay. And they were right. And so it's, and they were right. And of course they were right. And so, and and Utah was able to finesse bad teams because they didn't care about watching film study as 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 much, or they just could out execute a young inexperienced team. They could do that, and that's what good good teams do. Good teams can out like you can have average talent out execute another team, and you can get yourself to the playoffs if you have a star or two stars. You can get yourself to 50 wins, which is what Utah has been able to do. But having two stars like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and nothing else when it comes to shooting in the modern 2019 NBA is just insanity. And you just can't do that anymore. And so that's what's so fun about this next year and why they like they finally have the spacing. They have the right makeup and it's just going to be awesome. It's going to be just so awesome. To see what they're able to do. So it's yeah, just I mean, great. Uh, and I one thing you mentioned a little bit is just spacing is 
it's one of the most important things in the NBA now because it's what allows you to score more efficiently. But spacing is only as good as the talent you have that can take advantage of it. So Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, like if you mm-hmm. want to read, like some people, I, it boggles my mind why people don't understand why Dante got the contract he did, but it's because of this season. Dante is going to have to only beat one guy every time he's on the floor. And we've seen what Dante can do when he's being guarded by one guy. And so that's why, yeah, that's an and example. Healthy. Like if mm-hmm. he's, if he's healthy, if he's on the floor, if he only has to beat the guy in front of him, he gets to the basket at will. That's why that has a chance to be really good. And then, yeah, obviously like the Utah jazz stars, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, they are going to just score uh, in ways we haven't seen the jazz be able to score ever. I mean, Quinn Snyder's system is going to be so much more simpler. I think Quinn can't help but like put in about a hundred different plays and a hundred different actions because that's just kind of feels who, like who he is, and he uh, is always looking for ways to get an easy bucket as uh, you know in the half court and things. But honestly, the system the Jazz can run now is going to be so simplistic in a lot of ways and so easy for all of these players to kind of pick up and they're going to be able to do it for 48 minutes because the roster is just so cohesive now. Uh, I haven't seen as I need to watch a little more Ed Davis to see what he's like as a pick and roll big, but Rudy Gobert is going to score a lot of points this year because he's just going to roll to the rim. Mm -hmm. He's got multiple guys that can get in the ball in the right spot. And, and it's going to be, I mean, honestly, the jazz are going to win. So many games this year. Um, oh, go ahead. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure if you you saw this. Uh, did you see the tweet from John uh, Schumann uh, where he was talking about uh, the Jazz's remarkable run of underachievement? Mm. He basically he said, um, and and when he says underachievement, um, what what their predicted expected wins um, at the beginning of the season are, and then what they do um what where they finish um when they finish after so for example in 2014 2015 they were expected to win 42 wins they won 38 in 2015 2016 they were expected to win 47 they won 40 2016 to 2017 they were expected to win 54 they won 51 2017 to 2018 they were expected to win 55 they won 48 but that one's off because that one was more of a predictor of like it was from the past year with Gordon Hayward, and I feel like they were being overvalued, but like given too mm-hmm. much credit. Um, um, and then t- 2018, 2019, uh, they uh were expected to win 56 games. They won 50. Um, and so when you but what's interesting is so you're looking at that and you're like well they're they're missing their mark with um with with the wins win losses but when you look at point differential the year they were 38 and 44 they're losing they're a sub 500 team they still had a positive point differential point two and, and that would put them ranked 17th in the league that's it normally teams that are under 500 don't have a positive point differential when they're 40 and 42 still sub 500 their point differential was 1.8 plus 1.8 good for 10th in the league yet they finished 19th in 2016-2017, they, they had a point differential of plus 3.9, which was good for sixth. They finished fifth in the, in the league overall. Um, point differential, plus 4.3, that was good for fifth. That was last year. 
um, they finished eighth. Same, they finished eighth the same as uh, also this year, but they had a point differential of plus 5.3, and their rank was fourth. Now, and, and so that something's off. So what's off? He said the last five seasons, Jazz and games that were within five in the last five minutes. This is their record, 89 and 101. Jazz and all other games, one, 138 to 82. So when they buried them early, they could they could really keep that lead because of their defense. Because once you're in a, if you're in that hole against Utah's defense, you, it's going to be a slog to fight your way out against, against that Suffolk King defense. But if you were, if you were close in the last five minutes, you knew or had the confidence to be like, we have the better offense. And they're like with the jazz, it was like a roll of the dice. It was just like, maybe our offense shows up tonight. Maybe it doesn't. But now with this new offense, if it gels together, my goodness, I am really interested in seeing that stat in close games in t- in the 2019 to 2020 season and that point differential cuz Utah's point differential was plus 5.3 and their offense was average like it was 15th it was literally average and so it's going to be really exciting because their point differential could be insanity next year with what they're able to do with um, with their defense. So it's going to be really be fun. Really fun. Uh, Milo, I think that's, uh, I think we're about out of time. And I think we've got a lot to talk about next time as well. Uh, it's going to be a fun summer, guys, but August is a long month. So I hope you guys are subscribing to the SLC Dunk podcast, checking out uh, the, obviously, SLC Punks. You're going to listen to the Utah Jazz podcast. Uh, Milo, what's your new podcast called? The right, what was it called? The, the right tempo. The right tempo. So make sure you. I definitely knew that. I just forgot. <laughs> right tempo. You've got who? Yeah, I I re I released it the week before I went on vacation. I'm like, this is gonna be semi daily, and then I was well, like, I will say vacation. As someone who does a lot of video, <laughs> that's uh, it's tough. But the more you can get out, the better. And then obviously we have some hoops nerd stuff. I have been hibernating a little bit. I've just been. Just getting ready for this season. Uh, even when you mentioned that uh, that article about the jazz underperforming, I instantly turned to jazz Twitter mode and go, "Whose man is this? Who's?" But you know, then it it was a good point, so I have to accept that. But uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go into the season I, I, on fire, <laughs> and uh, I'm just resting up a little bit. But we're gonna have a lot of podcasts coming out for you guys. Yeah. So I hope you're subscribed. I hope you're sharing it with your friends and saying, "Hey." This is the place to go to get, you know, Utah Jazz coverage, whether it's slcdunk.com and reading all the articles, because those are great, too. Uh, the podcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got Taylor doing all the social media here. Is he already started that or is he is that starting at the beginning? He has started. I have been I have been on uh, basically yeah. sabbatical. Uh, since since the beginning of July, and it's been fantastic. Um, really resting, uh, resting up, uh, licking my wounds. Uh, it's been good. It's been good. I, uh, it's it's been fantastic. Um, if you really miss my sarcasm, um, uh, you can always follow me at at my underscore low. You can always follow Hanson at Hanson James. 
uh and uh like and and you can get our our snark and our and our really aging wit like if you ever really want to hear what aging millennials are thinking like we're older millennials we're not we're not like the young whippersnappers we're 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 the guys trying to tell you that yeah mortgage sucks <laughs> and sometimes i post videos from ghost reddit and and those are always fun, dude. Dude, those those are not fun. <laughs> those are those are not fun. Like every single time, I'm like, oh hey, check out this like cool video that James. Oh my, that door what just. What did moved. I just watch? Oh, I. What did I just watch? I'm, I'm not sleeping for five days. I'm actually quietly an addict to that stuff. I love it so much. I can't. I actually. I don't know. I have a lot of stories. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Maybe even on here, talk about the ghosts of jazz past and an actual ghost story. I don't know, but I love that stuff. So if you want to follow me, Hanson James, we'll save it. We'll save it for an October post. We'll October do an October post. post. <laughs> you know, I, I've always Halloween, thought, Halloween special. You know what's funny? And if we ever have guests on here, I've, I've, I've thought about that. Like, well, I don't know if it's appropriate for SLC punks and I'm off on a tangent, but one of I love the H3H3 podcast. I do listen to that sometimes. When I'm not listening to SLC Dunk, but I love how they end every uh, episode with whoever they're interviewing with, do you have any ghost stories or something that happened to you? And it's always great. It's always great. <laughs> like, anyways, I can't get enough of that. So follow me for that. Follow Milo for, uh, for the snark and the, and the wit. Um, and then also, also go to slcdunk.com, read all the articles. Uh, we got some cool stuff coming this season. It's just, SLC Dunk has been growing exponentially year after year recently, and it's because the content is so good. And so, guys, make sure you go to slcdunk.com and read all that stuff. Uh, Milo, uh, I will talk to you next time. Peace, y'all.